0: Good morning. Happy Easter, Mountain View, Sunnyside. We are celebrating today the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the nine words that changed history. Two of Jesus' followers showed up at his tomb early in the morning on Easter Sunday morning expecting to find Jesus' dead body. Instead, they found two angels which gave us nine words that changed history. Jesus isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And from this instant, there's hope for us now, thousands of years later, thousands of miles away, because God wants to intersect all of our lives, come into all of our lives and bring life from where there is death, bring hope where there's despair, bring relationship with him from where there's separation from him. And we're going to look at this today through the lens of one of Jesus' followers. It's a guy named Thomas. And Thomas was an apostle, and he saw the amazing things that Jesus did. This wasn't just some outside guy who had opinions about Jesus, but instead he spent three years walking with Jesus. Jesus was God with skin on, God taking on human form, coming to live amongst you and me and live in our world. And so Thomas got to see the way that God would do life if God was in our shoes. So Thomas got to see through Jesus and God's love demonstrated for people way outside the understanding or the guess of what religious people thought that God would care about people and who the people God thought or who the people they thought God would care about. He got to see Jesus demonstrate God's power in, in healing people from sickness and disease and bringing restoration to every area of their life possible. He got to see Jesus explaining God's truth and and opening our hearts and opening our minds to what it is to follow follow God and what God wants from you and me. He got to see Jesus demonstrate God's power over the world, over nature, over created order by telling storms to stop being stormy and waves that were crashing in on their boats to stop and to calm down and to be flat you got to see Jesus do all these things. And this defined reality for Thomas because Jesus' power wasn't just something that was was to be observed from a distance, it was something that we bring into our lives every day. And Jesus lived with power, love, and authority unlike anything else, and because of this, Thomas chose to die in faith instead of living in fear. It's that phrase that we've been clinging to throughout this whole period of pandemic and quarantine. Are we going to die in fear? Are we going to live in faith? And Thomas was a guy who understood even earlier than most of Jesus' followers, definitely earlier than us, what it is to live in faith. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you you hear the phrase doubting Thomas. And Thomas gets this bad rap as one of Jesus' followers who is like the Eeyore disciple. All All of us have one Eeyore friend, you know, where everything is always just bad. And if you say, I don't have any friends like that, you're the Eeyore friend. And Thomas was the Eeyore disciple. You know, that character from Winnie the Pooh where everything is bad. And there's this story about Jesus and, and Thomas. And they had just left a hostile city where some people had tried to kill Jesus. And a few weeks later, Jesus says, we're going back there. And, and Thomas's great line in John eleven sixteen 16, he said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and let's die with Jesus. And I think there are two ways for us to read those. One of those, one of those is the Eeyore interpretation, you know, where he's just like, we're going to go die with Jesus. The other second one is a calculated one. Where he sees that, that if these people kill Jesus, they're not just going to be one and done with him. They're going to work through the rest of Jesus' followers. This is the NBA playoffs, not the NCAA tournament. Hold on. Okay, the NBA playoffs were this thing that used to happen until everything got canceled. Whereas it wasn't just one game. It was a series of games to determine a winner. And Thomas is saying, you know what? If Jesus dies, they're not going to stop with Jesus. They're going to continue to kill his disciples. But he's saying in a moment of faith that Jesus, I can see that there's something different about him. I can see that there's part of him that's worth giving my life to follow. That I'm willing to die with Jesus. And so, if going to this city to bring hope and to bring life means that I'm going to give my life for it, then brothers, let's go. Let's die with Jesus. Thomas was the planner, he was prepared to die. He said, if going into this is going to cost me my life, I'm in. He was the first one to understand that following Jesus is something that drags all of our life into it, even in the areas where we're like, no, God, I want to keep holding on to this. Thomas says, no, this is going to cost everything. And if it involves me dying, me laying down my life, I'm going to do it. Because Thomas understood what it is to die in faith and not just to live in fear. And so hanging out with Jesus, seeing the things that Jesus did, Thomas heard about salvation in Jesus before he understood it. He heard Jesus talk about salvation, what it is for a relationship with him that makes a difference throughout all eternity. He heard about it, but he didn't understand it. My first job uh, when I was 15 was working for the Simi Valley Parks and Rec Department, uh, and it was refereeing youth basketball games. I grew up watching basketball. I grew up playing basketball. I grew up reading articles about basketball. I grew up trying out for the basketball team. And then the next year, trying out for the basketball team again. So I understood basketball. And my first assignment for refereeing these basketball games was third and fourth grade basketball. And let me tell you, that was not basketball, all right? That was a mix of rugby, of street riots, of hostage negotiations as parents yell at you because of your traveling call way back in third grade. means their kid isn't getting a scally to USC anytime soon. That was not basketball. And so Thomas is looking at what Jesus is talking about, salvation. And up to this point, everything in his mind said that a relationship with God is determined by rituals, is determined by bringing a spotless lamb and, and killing it and sacrificing, sacrificing that spotless animal so that it takes on all of our imperfections. And Jesus reminds Thomas, Jesus opens Thomas's eyes to the fact that this, this idea, this ritual, this way to salvation is no longer through a path, but it's now through a person. In John 14, Jesus is talking to his group of people. Thomas is one of them. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, I would not have tell, told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas answers, "You know, Thomas the planner, he wants to understand everything. He wants to know exactly what Jesus is talking about. so he says the things that everybody else is thinking, but nobody wants to say. He says, "Lord, we don't know." Thomas said, "We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, "I am the way." the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's saying the way now is not through a process or through a program or through a way of life. The way now is through a person. It's not about good deeds. It's about a good man who took on skin in the form of Jesus. It's God coming to earth to bring us to God. And this is Jesus opening and defining and giving Thomas an understanding and all of us an understanding. Thousands of of years later, what it is to follow Jesus is that we receive eternity from God by following Jesus, by putting hope in Jesus, by asking Jesus to come into our lives and forgive our sin. And that's the whole message of what Jesus did. That's the message of Easter. That from the very beginning, God loved each and every one of us so much that he would took it upon himself to create a relationship between us and God. The thing that had to be overcome in that relationship was sin. All of us, me included, run away from God. We do our own thing. We live life the way that we want to live life. And what that does is it creates distance between us and God. It creates separation between us and God because our infinitely holy God cannot be in the presence of sinners like you and me. And so God took on human form, moved into our world in the person of Jesus to live a spotless life, to live a perfect life, to live a sinless life. And then he died on a cross. That's what Jesus is getting at at this point. When he said that to Thomas, that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, this is hours before he was gonna lay down his life and die like a criminal, die like a rebel, die executed by the Romans so that we could have a relationship with God. He was gonna die in sin so we could live in freedom. He was paying the sin debt that all of us had built up for a lifetime of serving ourselves, a lifetime of worshiping ourselves that pushed us away from God. Jesus is saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I am the way that your sin, sin debt before God is forgiven. He's telling Thomas, it's no longer about ritual, it's now about a relationship with me because I'm the way that you're gonna have a relationship with God. What that meant was that Thomas was going to see Jesus died. Thomas was going to see Jesus cruelly betrayed. He was going to see Jesus falsely tried. He was going to see him wrongly convicted. And then he was going to see him publicly executed on a Roman cross. He was killed by people who perfected killing rebels. He was humiliated by people who perfected humiliation. And he did all that so that we could have a relationship with God. And so he's buried. And everybody expects that it's over. Jesus' body is taken down from the cross. It's put inside of a tomb. And Thomas, a guy that everything had to make sense for, is convinced that it's over. He's convinced that, that dying with Jesus meant that now he's going to die because this has to be the end. Because nobody expects people to get back off of a cross and walk out of their tomb because that hadn't happened to that point. There's no second opportunity for crucifixion because up to that point, it was a one and done thing. They perfected killing people. And then Thomas begins to hear that Jesus is risen from the dead. This report starts to circulate among Jesus' followers and it's expanding to upwards of 500 people saying Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive. He's appeared to us. And Thomas says, I can't believe it. He says in John 20, 25, the, the, the other disciples, the other followers told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands. And I put my fingers into them and I place my hand into the wound in his side. And this was Thomas's crisis. This was, his, this was the big block between him and believing the incredible power of God. This was his moment. And what we're seeing in our world in this time is that God never wastes a crisis. God never wastes a crisis. There's so many things going on in all of our lives where this is a moment created by so many different things where we're crying out to God saying, God, I need you to move in my financial life. I need you to move in my life as a parent with kids around. I need you to move in my life as someone who's vulnerable and if I get sick, I could die. God, I need you here. And what God is doing throughout this period in so many of our lives is reminding us time after time again in way after way that God is close to us. That God is moving in our lives where we need him to. He's providing where we need him to. And so just like this, Thomas has a crisis. And what Jesus does in the midst of Thomas's crisis, in the midst of Jesus has already risen from the dead. He walked out of his own grave. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it. Jesus doesn't use this crisis as a way to push Thomas away, but a way to draw Thomas into himself. If you feel like you're in the middle of a crisis and your fear and your doubt has somehow made you unacceptable, unapproachable to God, Thomas is your man here because Thomas is the guy who says, I don't believe it. And Jesus walks toward him with a smile. John 20, 28 says, eight days later, the disciples were together again and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them Peace be with you, he said, and then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas looks at Jesus, his friend, his Savior, the way, the truth, and the life for Thomas to have a relationship with God, and he says, my Lord and my God, Jesus moves toward Thomas's, Thomas in his doubt and Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus and he believed that he was the savior of the world. Jesus moves toward him in the middle of his crisis, in the middle of his chaos, in the middle of, of what he would say is probably the most hopeless moment of his life. He moves toward him and Thomas's explanation of Jesus' action in his life is you must be God. You are the savior of the world and this is something that he lives out for the rest of his life. History tells us that Thomas spent the rest of his life going everywhere he could telling everyone that he can about Jesus being the savior of the world and he ends up giving his life as a missionary in the country of India because Jesus is the savior of the world, because Jesus walked toward him in his crisis and spoke life, spoke forgiveness, gave him a reason for his faith because Jesus is the savior of the world and today we are called to believe without seeing, Jesus' last words to Thomas, he says, you believe because you've seen me. And blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And that's our challenge today. That's the invitation of Easter, of God calling us into relationship with him that the events of the Easter weekend still have effect in our lives, that Jesus' death on the cross was for our sin. It's to create a a, a way for us to have a relationship with God that because of our sin, we're separated, but because of the cross, we are brought near to God because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. That early on Sunday morning when Jesus was risen from the dead and walked out of his own grave, that's Jesus' moment. That's Jesus' declaration to us that our life as it has been before doesn't have to stay that way. That as Jesus walked into new life, he's bringing us into new life as well. It's his invitation for us out of our darkness, out of our sickness, out of our sin, out of our control, into Jesus's freedom, into Jesus's forgiveness, into Jesus's light, into Jesus's perfect relationship with God the Father that he invites us into. That he invites us into instead of being run by ourselves, being run by the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's God coming to live in the middle of our lives and running us from the inside out. It's the message of Easter, that Jesus is alive. And as Jesus walks in a new life, he's bringing us with him. And so if you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, You never made the decision to trust him as the savior of the world and as your savior, as your forgiver of your sins. It comes down to three things. And the first one is that God loves you. He always has. He always will. Today, he's calling you to follow him. Two, there's sin sin in our lives, mine included. That separates us from God. And Jesus came into our world to forgive us of our sin and to bring us into relationship with God. And three, today's your day to say, that's me. This Easter Sunday, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. Today's your day to say that's me. You can text the number at the bottom of the screen at any point during the rest of our gathering today and tell them your name and just say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. And you will meet Jesus today on Easter Sunday, the day he rose from the dead to bring new life to everyone who believes in him today that can be you. That's the Easter story. And we're gonna go back into worshiping God at this point. And and if today is your day to say yes to Jesus, to begin a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to text your name to the number that's at the bottom of the screen and someone's gonna call and pray for you.